welcome back to the JJ Time Podcast. How is your wonderful day going? Is it going good? Bad? Well, no matter what, I hope you're getting through it. Today, we are going to be talking about ADHD and all of the fun stigmas and treatments and history all behind the wonderful mental disorder of ADHD, even though it is not that wonderful to say, as a lot of people who do get diagnosed with this disorder tend to absolutely hate it because it is very hard to get things done. Um, And in fact, um, a lot of people think that I myself have undiagnosed ADHD, but we'll get more into that later. Uh, I know Christmas is around the corner, so I hope you guys are cozying in, staying warm, you know, getting some wonderful presents to buy for your friends and family and you know just enjoy the whole holiday cheer and you know what if you don't celebrate Christmas well happy holidays to you again I hope you have a wonderful nice hot chocolate and you're just all cozy I know I'm really cozy um today I decided to wear this really baggy um it's like a dress wool dress thing it's it's so warm I I recommend anyone getting a nice um warm just full length sweater dress thing it's it's great <laughs> regardless um so i guess the first thing we should ask is what is adhd and where does it come from well adhd is determined as attention deficit hyper disorder um and that basically means that exactly what it says you can't focus and you're very hyperactive. How crazy. <laughs> um, so there is two different classifications of ADHD. So there is predominantly inattentive presentation. And what that means um, is that it's hard for people to organize or finish a task. Think of like scatterbrained. That is essentially what it means. Um, it's where you can't focus on a single task or a single anything for that matter. Um, people who are Um, predominantly inattentive, um, have a hard time paying attention um, to details. They even have a hard time following basic instructions. Um, And people with predominantly inattentive ADHD tend to also forget to do tasks and they forget to even do like some of their daily basic routines. Um, With this predominantly inattentive. This is more just, you know, messy house, messy mind, essentially, but um, not being able to focus on one thing at a time. Um, I'm at fault for this because I am definitely a bounce rounder. I, um, (laughs) I remember I was cleaning a couple days ago and I had to do the dishes. Essentially, all I had to do was the dishes and the floors. And I remember going to the dishes thinking that I needed to clean out the fridge, so I completely tore my fridge apart, put it back together, because I was like, okay, now it's clean, now it's all organized and pretty. So I'm like, okay, let's do the dishwashers now. So I undo the dishwasher, and I'm putting dishes away, and then I remember, oh my gosh, um, I got this package yesterday for some string lights for Christmas, and so I went and put up those string lights um, while the dishwasher is still open, Um, and then it wasn't until I came back and was like, oh, yeah, I gotta put the dishes in the dishwasher, and then I finally did it. It took me like three hours, Um, but oh, I don't... (laughs) But a lot of doctors seem to think that, oh no, you're just you're just messy. Like it's it's fine. Like that's normal. It's like I don't think it's normal to forget that I had dishes to do like three hours ago and did like ten other things. Don't get me wrong. I am not personally diagnosed with ADHD, so I don't really necessarily have a say. But I am like seventy five percent certain I have a adult ADHD. But we'll get into that more later. So the second ADHD that you can be diagnosed with is predominantly hyper impulsive presentation and what this means it's the more hyper side of it so this person is really fidgety Um, people who are diagnosed with this um, essentially can't sit still they need to wiggle they need to move they need to I don't know bite their fingernails scratch themselves whatever it does to keep their mind busy smaller children may run and jump and climb everywhere constantly if you've ever heard of you know the terrible twos where they run around and wreak havoc in the home. Well, if they're doing that 
after their terrible twos, then trust me, they might have ADHD. I am more this one, I would think, if I was diagnosed, solely because peop um, people who have hyper uh, impulsive presentation, they tend to interrupt people a lot and I am so bad for this. If you have a conversation with me in person, just know that I am going to interrupt you a thousand times and it's not even a bad thing. Like, I wish people would understand that people with ADHD and people who struggle with it, um, we're not trying to interrupt you to be mean. We're interrupting you because we have that thought in our mind at that moment and if we don't say it right there and then, we might forget about it completely and this has happened to me um, with Ryan whenever I talk with him um, if I interrupt him he'll be like hey don't interrupt me like I'm, let me finish talking and I'll be like oh, okay yeah so he finishes talking and then he'll be like okay what did you say what did you want to say to me and I'd be like I have no idea because I only knew about it in that moment you know what I mean um but it's very hard for people um, with hyper-impulsive to listen and follow directions. Um, and they also, it is proven that they are more likely to get into accidents and are prone to injury due to their impulsiveness. Um, for me, growing up um, in high school, my impulsiveness was shopping. Uh, my mom actually had to teach me the term window shopping when I was 17 because I had such a problem with it. Don't get me wrong, I've never had problem with money and like spending over my limits but it was so bad that I would walk no matter what store I would walk into I would buy something I would have to buy something and I don't know if it was whether the guilt that I walked into a store and didn't like didn't want to feel bad but it got so bad I remember we were in a trip um in BC we were in Vernon and then we went up to uh Oh my goodness, where? I think it was, it's somewhere in Vernon where it's like a big, yeah, I think it was Vernon. Um, but we were walking down the streets with um, all these stores and we would walk into each one and like I would buy something and my mom like confronted me and was like, you know what, Justine, like I don't like shopping with you because I know you're going to spend your money. Like you need to learn to window shop. And I was 17 and I was like, what's window shopping? I have never heard that term in my life. And she's like, well, you know, like, it's when you go into a store and window shop. You think that you have no money, so don't buy anything. And it took me a long time to figure it out, but I finally can go into a store and not buy something. But yes, shopping was my impulsive decision. I needed the newest clothes, the newest everything. I, it was so bad. I feel so bad for my mom and all that. Um... And then, of course, there is, I did say that there was two diagnoses with ADHD, but you can also, um, you can also have a combined presentation, which just includes the both. So think of, like, ADHD, you can either have the AD or the HD, or you could have ADHD. The AD being, you know, not being able to focus on everything, while the HD is the hyperfixation where you can't sit still. And the combined presentation, which is the worst one to have, is where you combine the two, so instead of just not being able to pay attention or not being able to sit still, it's not being able to sit still while not paying attention because you can't sit still. Um, I know a couple people, and a couple, um, I used to babysit one of my friend's kids who has ADHD, and it is crazy. He was unmedicated, so that kid would just bounce off the walls for hours. It's like people with ADHD just never run out of energy. They're just constantly go, 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 go. And you know, I've even fallen into this trap of go, 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 go. Um, some other things that um, ADHD can do to you is um, blur the lines of time. There's two different um, ways someone can deal with time sensitivity. So there's the one where people with ADHD tend to be late to everything because they're so racing mind running to with everything else that they're always late. Or you can have the other side of ADHD, which is what I have, is where you are way too early for things. 
if I have to be, when I used to work at um, a retail store uh, before content creating, uh, if my work started at 7 in the morning, I would be in the parking lot at 6.30. And don't get me wrong, that is a normal thing. I know a lot of us here probably sit in our car for an hour before we have to go into work, just so that, you know, we can mentally prepare for the lovely, sweet customers that we have to deal with every day. I hope you understand that that is sarcasm. <laughs> See, I know being early um, isn't usually a bad thing, but I never thought that this was affecting anyone in my life or even affecting me. I always just thought that I was a person who liked to be early all the time. Um, and it wasn't until I started building really strict schedules around these times that I realized that, hmm, maybe this could be a problem. Like, it got so bad that... So, the thing with ADHD is that even though a lot of people are very scatterbrained, we try to have a very strict schedule and if you have like when we have a strict schedule if it doesn't go perfectly to plan some people just crumble and I am like that don't get me wrong like I said I don't know if I have ADHD or OCD or whatever I have I am undiagnosed so I am just saying this personal talk personal relations so whatever I'm saying it can happen to you and it could not happen you don't have to relate to me or you can if you like um, but what I would do is like, like today, for example, let's take today's schedule and how I freaked out because it did not go exactly the way I wanted it. So I woke up this morning really early, right? I like waking up at like 7am and staying up, just having the whole morning to myself. Sometimes I fall back asleep. Sometimes I just, you know, scroll TikTok for endless hours and, you know, Amazon because... Amazon, I swear, has me by a chokehold right now with the Christmas gifts. Um, I'm a sucker for gift sets. Like, you could give me a box of tea or, like, a box of honey or a jar of honey. I'll be like, oh, thanks, Like, but I'm not going to buy it. But if you put that jar of honey with two other jars of honey and call it a gift set or put the tea with a bunch of different variety... I'm buying it. Like, take my money. Take my money right now. Literally, on Amazon right now, um, there's this brand right now that I saw um, that has different flavors of honey. And, like, you know I bought it, even though it's, like, $30 for, like, these little jars. I bought it. So, you know what? You know how I just recently said that I had a shopping addiction and I got over it? I think Amazon is just relighting that flame right there. <laughs> Um, but anyways, my schedule for today was that, um, I would get ready, I would do two podcasts, like, I would record two podcasts today, which is not happening, we're already too late in the day to record two, so that's already ruined, but it was to record two podcasts today, order McDonald's, I then shower, and then I just chill for the rest of the night. That was my plan for the day. I know, very easy schedule, it- it, it was an easy day today, okay? <laughs> Anyways, um, Ryan comes in, he's like, hey, I'm actually hungry right now, so can we order McDonald's right now? And you already know that that threw me in for a loop. We ordered McDonald's, and I didn't get to recording this podcast until five hours after we have ordered McDonald's. Five hours! Because my brain was like, I can't, I can't do it anymore because we did McDonald's before that! And that is why I am totally not internally freaking out right now um, because I don't think my schedule went to plan at all. But I mean, good news is I got McDonald's. Chicken nuggies are like the best thing in the world and if you disagree with me, I mean, that's fine. But like, chicken nuggies, they're so good. <laughs> Um, anyways, oh my goodness, I am digressing so much. Um, some people, you may be thinking, well, Justine, um, if it's predominantly inattentive presentation, doesn't that just mean ADD? Some people may, um, some of you may know the term attention deficit disorder, which is ADD. Um, and actually, for the longest time growing up, I thought that ADHD and ADD were two different things. They're not. Um, ADD was actually the term that they said way back in the day. Um, it officially changed in the 1990s to be coined the definition of 
ADHD. Um, so attention deficit disorder was just what they called attention deficit hyper disorder back in the day. Now it's just ADHD. There is no such thing as ADD. It is a lie. It is a myth. If someone says that they have ADD, they don't. They have ADHD, but they have the primarily inattentive presentation. Had no idea until I went to university. I was like, wow, I grew up fully believing this myth that ADD was a thing. And it's not. It, it's just ADHD. Um, another myth some people like to say about ADHD people is that pe people with ADHD are lazy. They're the laziest people. It's just an excuse. And it's actually not because what's going on in your brain when you have um, attention deficit hyper disorder is that your brain is overproducing dopamine. So if you don't know what dopamine is, it is the happy chemical. Our brain has four chemicals. So for the first chemical, I'm going to dive into all the chemicals in this episode episode because they are all relevant to ADHD. So first there is dopamine. It is known as the reward chemical. Um, it usually triggers when you do a task, like when you finish a task, when you're doing self-care activities, or like when you're just celebrating little wins. Like whenever you win something, you get that rush of dopamine. The second chemical is known as endorphins. This is known as the painkiller chemical. Um, it is essentially these always release when you're exercising, um, when you eat dark chocolate, endorphins can come up. And endorphins is essentially where, uh, is also very related to adrenaline. Um, endorphins will get released if you are in your fight or fight flight mode and this is also the feeling you get that if you've ever had a really intense workout and you get that pump you know like when gym bro guys are like yeah get that pump like I feel so hyped right now when you're working out that is what endorphins are doing and endorphins are like one of the best natural remedies to get rid of or to try and treat uh, mental disorders is because you get that high essentially. Uh, the third chemical is the serotonin. This is where any activity that makes you in a good mood. So whether it's if it's cooking, if it's running, if it's hiking, cycling, swimming, whatever you're doing that puts you at a content like place is what serotonin is. Um, it's just a mood stabilizer where you know, oh wow, I feel content. So instead of dopamine where you feel like, oh, I feel so happy, so excited right now, Serotonin is I feel content. The net last chemical is known as oxytocin. This is known as the love chemical. Um, this comes out, of course, when you do the mwah, mwah love making, <laughs> or if you if someone gives you a compliment, anything that has anything to do with love. So your significant other holding your hand, you receiving a hug. Um, oxytocin chemicals will release. That is why it is said that if you hug your significant other or someone you are really close with, or if you're really close with your mom or dad, if you hug them for more than 30 seconds, um, your brain will actually activate a lot of oxytocin. It could actually put you in a better mood. Um, and that's also why a lot of people who, when they're really nervous, if someone holds your hand um, for an ex ex extended period of time, it will help you a lot. Um, there's also research done that if you stare into your significant other's eyes for two minutes or longer, you will actually feel a sense of deep bonding connection, and that's solely because you are just pumping oxytocin out. Um, little fun fact, um, it's not going to be the daily fun fact, so small fun fact, um, is that if you look into someone's eyes and if their eyes dilate, um, it means that they might like you. So next time someone looks at you, let, make, let's check if their irises expand or not. Um, so the thing with ADHD is that this is the most common in children. Um, you always hear a bunch of, a bunch of parents talking about that their child has ADHD and all this fun stuff. And with children, again, same thing, being hyper. And it, it's hard to diagnose it in children because you don't know if they're just being like, you know, rowdy as a child or do they have ADHD. But something that my teacher, um, used to do when I was in kindergarten, I remember this. Um, and, and no, I did not have ADHD, um, at this time, but... I had a problem with jealousy 
um, growing up all the way, I think, until high school. It wasn't, I didn't get over it till like, my later years of high school. But I had a jealousy problem. I was a very toxic person from this because I always thought that everything was a competition. I had to be better. Like, I remember in kindergarten and grade one that, well, not kindergarten. I think this was grade one to grade three. Like I said, I don't, I mean, has any of you guys, I'm pretty sure that you guys blend the lines between kindergarten and grade four. It's like, it's just all one year. Um, but I remember that we were writing, so we would journal every day. You would have to just do, you know, one paragraph of like what you did. And I found it to be so much of a competition that I had to be the first one to be done writing. So I would write as fast as I could so that I could be done first, solely to have a sense of accomplishment. It was so bad. Um, but anyways, our teacher introduced um, bungee cords. I know I said this in a previous episode, but she would put a bungee cord on the bottom of your desk so that you can bounce your feet on and play with it while the lecture or the, you know, the... Is it a lecture in like grade four? Or like, is it just like the teacher talking? I'm going to say lecture, presentation, whatever. Um, and actually, some of the teachers caught on to this. So I got a bungee cord because, you know, knowing me, I just couldn't sit still. When in reality, it was I was jealous that the other kids could have it. And, you know, it, now that, like, looking back at it and reflecting, that is so toxic. Like, and the fact that I wanted a bungee cord because I didn't think people who may have had a mental disorder actually needed it. So you know what? I'm going to be brutally honest with my myself right now and that I fell into the stigmatism of mental disorders and instead of thinking of it I got jealous of people who had mental disorders and I wanted to be that too and you know that goes into where I was talking about um, how people don't want to talk about their mental disorders and push it under the rug because they don't want people to treat them differently. And it's really interesting because when my teacher did treat them differently to try and, like, help their disorder, I was jealous and angry at them for it. And I was like, well, I want that too. So I totally see where people with mental disorders don't want to come out with that because it's like, yeah, you don't want to be judged, whether good or bad. Um, this all goes back to, you know, people in the workforce who don't want to take maternity leave or take sick days because um, they might feel judged uh, within their workplace. It, it kind of is the same thing where, um, you know, you don't want to take a mental health day because people might get jealous that you can take a mental health day and they can't. So that was just a whole revelation that I just figure it out for myself. Um, ADHD is most common in children um, and actually it is just recently being recognized that there is such thing as adult ADHD and if my suspicions are correct I am pretty sure the DSM-5 when they update it to the next uh, generation that they are going to add adult ADHD as like a subsection uh, because recent studies have shown that people of the ages from 20 to 24 can actually develop a later um, later onset ADHD and that is the suspicions that is what happened to me um, and I'm gonna go into my experience and the reason why I'm not diagnosed like you're probably thinking well why is this chick talking about how she has ADHD but she's never actually been diagnosed like how could I do that right because trust me I know myself I do not like people who self-diagnose especially you know the quirky ones who are like oh I can't do a presentation because I have anxiety I can't do it. You know those those people? I know you guys know at least one pick me girl. I know. I know you do. Um regardless, um I went to three different doctors and I have each um I've said this again in a previous episode that I've been to three different doctors and I have each told them that hey, I am suspected to have ADHD. Uh, a psychologist has told me this and that I didn't want to go through access mental health because he said that I didn't have to because I already got diagnosed. So when these symptoms were becoming worse and worse, I decided to go get checked by a doctor. First, I went to the on-campus doctor where I went to university, and he basically said that he had to fact-check me, that he thought I was lying. Um, so he phoned the psychologist, psychologist cleared me, blah, 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 and he refused to give me medication because he thought I was just going to sell it. 
Um, and that is going to lead, I will talk more about the medication behind ADHD and everything later, but that was the first doctor. The second doctor I went to was someone who was close to where I live, and he said that I was just sad, and that I was just a stressed out university student, and there's, and that he didn't suspect ADHD. So I was like, okay. So finally I waited, and this was like seven months later, I was like, this is getting ridiculous. It got to a point um, where in university I could open up a textbook, but I couldn't do anything with it. I would just stare at the pages and not actually get any, I couldn't learn because I was just all over the place and I couldn't, I just couldn't learn. I couldn't read at that point. So finally I went to the last doctor and this doctor was the worst because they straight up said, I know you want it. I know you just want the drugs. I'm not giving it to you. And you know, you just have to deal with it because again, it's the whole thing where if I had ADHD, I should have got diagnosed younger. And this doctor said that they said that if you would have had ADHD, um, you should have got diagnosed years ago. Like there's no way that you could just be getting it now. And then, you know, fast forward three years to where we are now, and sure enough, there's reports coming up about adult ADHD. And it really sucks because people who have ADHD are just coined as lazy or not a person with no motivation. And it's like, well, no, that we're, I'm actively trying to get help, but you're not helping me. Uh, <laughs> It's so annoying. This leads us into what are the different causes of ADHD and what like can come about with it. And of course, you know, my favorite with almost every mental disorder is genetics. If your parents have ADHD, you are more likely to have ADHD as well. But scientists are trying to find out if it can be led to other injuries. Um, some people suspect that if you get a brain injury, you're more likely to get ADHD. Um, if you're exposed to environmental factors, so if you are pregnant um, and get exposed to lead, um, your child is actually at a higher risk for ADHD. Low birth rate, premature births, all of this stuff can lead to more chances of your kid having ADHD, which is really interesting. I wonder what scientists are gonna try and find out to see if like, yeah, if premature babies um, do have ADHD. And why is that? Is it because certain parts of their brain aren't wired correctly? I don't know. We'll have to figure that out, I guess. So yeah, so I guess now we can get into, well, if people have ADHD, how is it treated? And with this disorder, in most cases, um, psychologists will try and say that behavior therapy is the best way to go, and it is also the first line of action if you suspect that your child has ADHD. Um, children between ages four and five, they tend to go through behavior therapy first, as well as most therapists will try and get the family involved and make sure that the family knows um, how to help their child with ADHD, whether that's specific exercises, um, routines, whatever it is. Um, but that is the first line of action because the thing with ADHD is that a lot of doctors don't want to go to medication right away. And I also have my own opinion on ADHD medication. So if the first line of that doesn't work and that's after multiple follow-up, like the thing with ADHD is that it is hard, um, especially when you're a child to get diagnosed because again, you don't know if it's just a hyperactive child or if it is ADHD. But so they, they, we'll do multiple follows up, see if there's any changes done, um, see if they need to do anything else, and if that fails, if all else fails, they will go to medication. Um, before I get into what medication they use, I will say some natural supplements that might work before you get into the stimulants. Um, you can try omega-3s, so fish or actually just taking the omega-3 pill, like fish oil or anything like that. Um, that could possibly help. It is a beneficiary since um, omega-3s help make certain chemicals in the brain like dopamine and serotonin. Um, you can also use L-thymine, and that's actually something I use um, every single day. So L-thymine is a relaxation natural supplement. Um, I have noticed that it makes you stress less, so if you're stressed out, 
or just have a very busy mind, I would say try it. You can get it on Amazon, I think, for like 14 bucks or something for like 100 pills. Um, at least that's where I got mine. And they seem to work. It elevates certain levels in your brain. Um, it also taps into the focus center of your brain. Um, whether you believe natural supplements work or not, I don't like the whole um, holistic view of like using essential oils and stuff. But I am um, true to the that certain natural supplements can help you. Like, you know, you hear it everywhere that ginseng or ginger um, can help... Uh, elevate your energy and create less bloating like there is some natural chemicals that do work so that's what i use l-thymine um try it out if you want to try it <laughs> um i've also heard that there is other um over-the-counter medication that you can get that can help with focus essentially what you're looking for is um is medication that helps you focus more since with ADHD what happens to a person and like why they can't do the task is so there's a thing called you know we've been talking about hyperfixation or hyperactivity well hyperfixation is one of the symptoms of ADHD and it is where you get so engrossed in a task that you can't do anything else so there is like again the two options where you either are scatterbrained and can't get anything done and then there's the other one where you try and you do only one thing this specific thing and that's why you hear a lot of people who have ADHD pulling apart their fridge or pulling apart their house because they need to clean a specific area um, and the thing with hyperfixation is the reason for this is because since people with ADHD have copious amounts of dopamine what happens is that when they are doing a task that they enjoy or get hyperfixated on um, there is a huge surge of dopamine running through them but the issue is and what's different from normal people to people with ADHD is that the dopamine drains super fast think of like a bucket just immediately getting poured out that's exactly what dopamine is you go from 100 to zero very quick and that's what causes burnout and that's what causes the laziness that everyone says and it, it's not laziness it's just complete total impairment of not being able to do anything and that is solely because all of your chemicals are really low so if you find any supplements natural supplements medication that raises your dopamine i would try that before adhd medication now on to the talk of medication and why I personally don't think kids should be using it. Um, so if you guys do not know, ADHD medication is stimulants. Um, the most common ones you may know are Adderall. That is the most famous. It is also a kind of street drug, but I'll get into that. There's Adderall, there's Vyvanse, Ritalin, Citroflam, I think the word is, um, and then you can also get just any variants of that. And what they all are is they are amphetamines, um, and if you don't know what an amphetamine is, it is very closely related to methamphetamine. And if you don't know what methamphetamine is, it's meth. It is what people like smoke on the side in back alleys and ruins your life type of thing that that's what methamphetamine is so methamphetamine and amphetamine i'm pretty sure there's it's like one to three molecule difference but they are essentially the same they both significantly increase dopamine production um and which is good don't get me wrong, um, and the reason why a lot of ADHD people need these stimulants is because, like I said, they go from 100 to 0 really quick doing tasks and activity, so what the stimulants do is that they make sure that it your brain is getting consistently pumped with um, dopamine and, you know, happy chemicals to make sure that you can hold your focus longer. Um, so with this... Um, with I, I personally know Adderall and Vyvanse the best, so I'm going to talk about those two. Um, I'm pretty sure Ritalin also falls more into Adderall as well, but the difference between the two is so depending on how severe your ADHD is, you can get either Adderall or Vyvanse. So if you tend to have really big crashes, um, really intense ones throughout the day, you will most likely use Vyvanse because Vyvanse is a short-releasing uh, drug. It is also, um, a lot of people and a lot of teenagers um, who use it when they don't have ADHD don't know this. So 
Here is what I've been wanting to talk about, the climax of the podcast, if you must, um, is that, so Adderall and Vyvanse are also known as a study drug. In 2018, there was a documentary done called Study Drugs on the Brain, or Study Drugs Changing the World, something like that, um, and it is essentially becoming as bad as the opioid uh, crisis that is going on in our world right now, which, you know, opioids is technically a pill, so it's just more pills to add to opioids, but it's not an opioid, it's an amphetamine. So the reason why um, you'll hear a lot of Vivan and Adderall use um, because of university students or high school students, but you more or less hear it in university, that is how I actually got introduced to Vivans and Adderall, and it was way before I even learned about them. It was because it is so regularly used in universities. And the reason for this, um, and I have a funny story about it, um, about these drugs, is that if you do not have ADHD and you use, let's say, Vyvanse or Adderall, what happens is that, yes, you will get way high feelings of euphoria, you will uh, hyperfixate on stuff, you hear people who take Vyvanse or Adderall that they, like, literally pull apart everything and make sure that every single thing is spotless. This is like the whole thing where you rearrange your whole closet, you rearrange your whole house, etc. Go on huge cleaning sprees. Or again, the, re the main reason is to study intensely for tests that are coming up because if you don't have ADHD and you are getting pumped with dopamine and it's a stimulant, so think of coffee as like 1%. Vyvanse is 99%, essentially. So um, I have my own experience. I have taken both Vyvanse and Adderall. Yes, I know. Sorry, mom and dad. I was involved in the study drug um, era, and I would use it um, in my first year of university. I no longer use it. I haven't used it for two years. But my funny story is that the first two times when I tried it, I felt normal. <laughs> I'm not even like, so I tried um, 20 milligrams my first dose because if you don't have ADHD, 20 milligrams is all you will ever need or else you are going to run into the risk factor of serotonin syndrome. Um, if you don't know what serotonin syndrome is, it is essentially, this happens the most with um, amphetamines and stimulants and it is potentially life-threatening. So it affects your peripheral and postsynoptic uh, 5-HT 1A. Um, I know that's probably like gibberish to you guys, but it is essentially specific receptors in your brain that produce your serotonin. And what it does is that it, if, if you take way too much um, serotonin, i.e. stimulants, let's say you take 70 milligrams of Vyvanse or Adderall your first go, you are at risk of getting serotonin syndrome. Um, and the side effects include confusion, agitation, sweaty palms, palpitating heart, dilated pupils, essentially someone going into an overdose, more or less, um, and you do tend to feel really nauseous. But the reason why this can be potentially life-threatening is because too much serotonin can kill you. If your brain gets overloaded with serotonin, it can lead to passing out and even heart failure. And that is a huge reason why children are not immediately given this medication and is because, just in case, serotonin syndrome might be a cause. Um, in extreme cases, if you are or suspect yourself that have serotonin syndrome, immediately go to the hospital. Um, sometimes it is just weighted out. Let's hope that your levels, like, clear out. Or in extreme cases, you will get periactin, which is a serotonin killer. It will essentially wipe out all of your serotonin. Um, think of it like if someone is overdosing on opioids, why you use Naxalone. Um, if you don't know what Naxalone is, uh, they are kits that you can buy in, I'm pretty sure, any drug market or drug market, supermarket, or what's it called? It's not a supermarket, but it's like where pharmacies are. Like, you know, like Pharmasave, Walmart, no. Pharmasave, Shoppers, Drug Mart, like, you know, is it a drugstore? Like, any any pharmacy, pharmacy, I think is the word, um, do sell Naxalone kits. 
Um, and what they are is that if you do see someone overdosing, you can give them a shot of Noxalone and it will bring their levels down and hopefully stop the overdose. So periactin is the exact same thing. It's to hopefully stop the serotonin from producing so that you don't die. But back to the drugs, um, back to the drugs, back to drug talk. Um, with Vyvanse, so it is a slower release if you keep getting crashes and stuff. Vyvanse will take up to 8 to 10 hours of being fully used, so um, you will go the whole day being on the stimulant. While as Adderall is more of a 4 hour um, thing, so once you take it, you wait an hour, it will work for 4 hours, and a lot of people report that Adderall you get more irritable and harder crashes, but um, most people take this if that instead of the hyperfixation um, or the hyper inattentive, you take Adderall more just so that you can have those concentrations for the four hours. Vyvanse is more for hyperfixation, where if you can't sit still, Vyvanse is going to help you try and sit still, essentially. Um, and also, um, the reason why doctors are more using Vyvanse, um, more than any other ADHD medication is because going back to study drugs, Adderall can be snorted, and you will see at a lot of parties that people will snort Adderall. I've seen it myself. I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. There's no way you are making me sniff a powder up my nose because it freaks me out how these the the powder goes like straight into your brain and bloodstream like I just I can't do it I can't do it um, but with Adderall you can crush it and snort it with Vyvanse it is only able to be used if it's digested which is great because if you try and snort it it does nothing and the reason why people do snort it is because you get the stimulant effect within seconds more than having to wait an hour or two for it to actually kick in so that is that, and now you may all be wondering, wait, you used it. Yes, I have used it. I used it multiple times in my first year of university, and there's several reasons why, and I'll get into them. So like I said, the first two times I took it, I only took 20 milligrams, I felt normal. I felt like my brain was finally clear, and I really didn't get the effects from it much. I was just kind of chilling, you know, just going my daily life. I was like, I don't understand what the hype is. Um, and it wasn't until one of my friends at the time gave me um, one of her pills and her pill was a 40 milligram of Vyvanse. So going from 20 to 40 milligrams is a huge, huge jump. So um, most doctors won't ever prescribe you over 40. Um, in extreme cases, if you have extreme ADHD, you can get um, prescribed 70 milligrams, but a lot of doctors argue that that is way too much and that you will become way too dependent on it. And this is something I want to talk about, about getting dependent, but I'll get into that in one second. Um, so I, I took this 40 milligram pill, and I remember this like clear as day because it's way different. Um, I still felt clear, but I did get the euphoria effects and the effects of what it feels like. Because the argument is, and not, it's not actually proven, but a lot of people and a lot of doctors do talk about it. And this is where people with ADHD and people without ADHD feel the stimulant or amphetamine effects exactly the same. So even if you have ADHD or you don't, you will react to it the exact same way. The only difference is that people with ADHD do benefit from the more focus, well as us people without ADHD, we just hyper-focus. So instead of just, you know, going on focusing on your essay, people without ADHD will hyper-focus. So it's essentially, you know, you can make the argument that um, ADHD medication makes you have ADHD if you don't have it, but I guess in all the most benefit way possible. So I remember this, it was 11 a.m. and I took it because I had this huge biology test. And to put it in perspective, the midterm, um, I failed and got 28%. My first midterm of university and I get a 28% after being like a straight A student in high school was a huge reason, I guess, why I sampled these drugs. Um, and so I remember I was on my bed and I... I was looking at my phone on TikTok and an hour goes by because it takes an hour to like get to your system and I just feel it. And I'm like, oh my God, like 
I'm ready to conquer the world, essentially. I was on TikTok, so the thing with ADHD medication, and even with normal ADHD doctors will tell you to do this, that if you have something important to do, do it before your medication hits, or else your medication might screw you for the day. So I fell into the trap of watching TikTok, and I sat on my bed from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., 12 hours. I scrolled through TikTok for 11 hours. I didn't even leave my bed unless I had to go pee. I think I had to go like to the washroom once and I did not leave my bed. And then to make it worse, I have to study for this test. So 11 p.m. I, I finally get to my desk. I finally break out of the tranche um, of TikTok and I go to my desk. From 11 p.m. till 8 a.m. in the morning, I studied for my test. I did every note in the book, every quiz I could do, I did it. And here is the part where you're like, oh my god, with all that studying, you must have, like, got a great grade. I didn't. I got 58%. And this is something I want to tell you guys. If you guys, up to this point, have been like, wow, she is really making study drugs sound amazing. It's not. Because it is scientifically proven, and I literally just read up these articles just this year in university, that study drugs are actually do more harm than good. Because when you are using stimulants without ADHD, you don't actually retain any information that you are studying. If you have ADHD, you can retain it because, you know, your brain sucks already at trying to, um, at trying to remember stuff, so... Of course, ADHD medication will help with that. Um, but the funny thing is, is that if you don't have ADHD, and this is, again, what happened to me and many other of my friends who have dabbled in it, is that, yeah, you don't retain any information. You can study for hours, but it doesn't do anything. Um, and heck, I mean, I had, I tried it a couple more times after that, but I essentially only used it to clean my apartment at the time, or my dorm room, um, because it is good for cleaning, but the only issue is, again, if you get stuck on another task, you're, you're screwed for the rest of the day. And also, no one likes to explain the side effects with study drugs. If you don't have ADHD, you lose a bunch of weight, you get very irritable and panicked, and which basically means you become a bitch to everyone if you are on this medication and don't have ADHD and you know the personal details where your tummy will constantly have diarrhea and blah 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 because it is a stimulant if you are one where coffee makes you poop you are going to absolutely explode yourself if you use ADHD medication if you don't have ADHD because again I know it's a hard concept to grasp where it's like well I don't understand what the difference is if if the ADHD medication feels the same for both people. The difference is, is that since ADHD people have their dopamine drained so fast, the stimulant helps them keep that dopamine. Well, for us or normal people who don't have ADHD take it, since we already have normal dopamine, it spikes your dopamine. And this leads into the argument that um, the reason why you shouldn't get into this is because you can get very suicidal thoughts if you're trying to withdraw from this. This is also said to people with ADHD. The only thing, the only sucky part with ADHD medication is that once you're taking it, you have to take it for the rest of your life because you can try and withdraw from it, but it is very hard. It you, it takes months to years to wean off of um, ADHD medication because they are stimulants. Like I said, amphetamines are like a couple molecules away from meth. So it is essentially like weaning you off from meth. And if you don't have ADHD and are using this for a study drug, you will get the feeling of despair symptom, when, especially if you take, because I know some people who take up to 100 milligrams for parties and all that stuff. And that's not good because uh, they those are also the same people who were the next day, they want to literally put a gun to their head and shoot themselves because with um, stimulants, they make you feel on top of the world. And when you're not, as soon as that dopamine and that rush is gone, you, so instead of crashing like ADHD people, you now no longer can produce dopamine. And that is the risk that people who, with ADHD, without ADHD people fear and risk is that 
you you are now going to be dependent for the rest of your life on this medication, um, especially if you are one who have been using it, say, for months or even years. You can, like I said, wean off of it. Same thing, you can wean off of meth and heroin if you, if you really can, but if you cut cold turkey, get ready for those terrible, terrible side effects because just imagine never being happy, like, and not being able to feel happy. That is what stimulants will do if you overuse them and abuse them. Now, it's funny because um, I just read an article and saw a couple uh, TED Talk videos about this where there is now discoveries saying that people with ADHD are three times more likely to use drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism than any other person in the world. And the reason for this is because, ironically, um, a lot of the most common ones is marijuana, nicotine, and coffee. You'll see a lot of people with ADHD, they absolutely love their coffee. Well, why is that? Why would you want coffee if you're already scatterbrained and all over the place, right? Well, it's a coping mechanism and all of these things are technically stimulants. Nicotine and coffee, they are a stimulant. Um, as for marijuana, I went into this the other... Um, the other episode where marijuana is a downer but it can have feelings of happiness and so it technically can be argued that it's a stimulant and a depressant depending how your body reacts to it. And the thing for this, um, and I've actually fallen into this for a while, it was about a year, again, my first, or actually this was my second year of university, um, I got a vape. One of my friends gave me a vape because they said it helped them with their ADHD and they suspected that I had it, so I vaped for a year. And, you know, it does help. Um, it definitely is a good coping mechanism, but for me, I don't like vaping or smoking, so after the year, I cut cold turkey um, because... I didn't want to become addicted. And then again, I was only using like one milligram of nicotine, so I can't really argue that I was using it to cope. I am more of an edibles person nowadays. That is my coping mechanism, more or less. Um, I don't do it every night, but you know, sometimes if a day is stressful, eating a nice little truffle can get you through the night, you know? But yeah, so it, it was interesting to learn about that because it's crazy that it, 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 you can argue that it's a good thing that ADHD people do turn um, to drugs and alcohol, um, but it's also not a good thing because, you know, drugs and alcohol. But I would argue that nicotine and coffee are better than the amphetamines. And not to mention that I know um, that a lot of doctors' first line of treatment is behavioral therapy, but it seems, I've been see reading a lot of articles and in the lectures that I've been to, it seems that America really likes to give out their pills because every person I've talked to who has a ch child or they themselves have ADHD who's American, apparently just walked into a pharmacy and asked for it and just got it. There's like no regulation there, which is very interesting to think about, um, especially here in Canada. It's like impossible to get it here because we are monitored. Um, so my friend, she just got prescribed about a year ago. Uh, well, she's more of a classmate, but she's my friend. Um, she told me all about it. She said that it took her about five psychologist appointments. And if you don't know, psychology here, if you are an adult, usually ranges to about 100 to $150 an hour, depending on who you go to. So she said she went five times. So think of that. That's like $500. And then she finally got prescribed five ends. And the thing is, is she said that it is on such a tight schedule that if your prescription ends on the 30th at the end of the month and you go in on the 29th, they will deny you your medication and they will suspect that you are selling it even if you're just coming a day early because, and doctors will say this, is that you have to take one every single day. Do not sell, do not abuse it, or you will not get it. Um, and my friend was at risk at not getting prescribed it anymore solely because she said herself that on weekends she didn't want to take it because she felt like she didn't need to. So she would have extra pills um, and so she wouldn't come pick up her prescription until like say let's say a week later and the doctors sometimes would refuse her and she'd have to go back to her therapist and say hey explain her situation and then she'd get re -pre prescribed so I don't know if that's just Canadian or just where I live um it does that but I have noticed that in America 
the pills are handed out literally like candy, which I don't agree with, especially when it comes to children, because I am a true believer that it should be the last defense of trying to treat it, because if you are giving kids stimulants at the age of four or five, you have messed them up for the rest of their life. They will now, for the rest of their lives, need that, because your brain is so tiny. And I have known children that are on ADHD medication. My mom's an EA. Um, at the school that she works for and she says that there's so many kids who are on ADHD medication and even she doesn't really agree with it because it, you're just numbing kids. You're kind of making them be controlled and be like, like you're, you're numbing them. Like you're not letting the kid explore and be crazy like they can. You are just trying to numb them to make it not a problem. And I have heard mothers say this themselves, that they give their kids ADHD medication so that they don't have to deal with them. And it really bothers me because it's like, no, like if you're gonna have a kid, you better help that kid. Don't just give them drugs to numb them. And, and it, it, it seems more and more nowadays that that's what's happening, that we're just giving kids uh, prescriptions just so that they don't aren't a problem anymore and I don't like that I I feel like that's why if like your kid you need to monitor your kid for years or for months to make sure that they actually have ADHD and that they do need it and not the fact that you just don't want to deal with a hyperactive kid because I know kids who don't have ADHD heck I was a babysitter my whole high school there is going to be little gremlins that are tearing up the house running around the house like they own the place but it doesn't mean that they need to be medicated um, but new studies have shown and there is a new treatment that is coming out now so the FDA actually just approved this um, which it's called ETNS this is external trigeminal nerve stimulation that is a long word. Um, also known as ETNS. So this system is for children ages 7 to 12 who are not currently taking medication. Um, so they must have done a couple trials um, with this. I would assume that they are double blind experiments because I feel like if it was only a one blind experiment that that could be really bad. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a um, one blind experiment different to a double blind. So a one blind experiment is essentially that the person taking, so if you don't know what placebo effect is, it basically means that you can take something thinking it is one thing, but it's actually nothing at all. This is where the term sugar pills come from. And in a lot of drug testing experiments, um, there's usually two groups. There is one group that has the drug and there's one group that has sugar pills, i.e. nothing, like icing sugar packed in a pill, basically. And the one blind experiment basically means that the person giving out the pills knows which is placebo and which isn't but the people who are getting the pills don't know and that makes it a one blind experiment a double blind experiment means that the person handing out the pills like the pharmacist or the doctor or whoever it is doesn't know which one the placebo pill is and which one the normal is as well as the individuals receiving the pills don't know what it is and this is to basically avoid bias there is such thing called experimental bias where if the person giving out the pills could give off contextual clues that hey by the way your pills might not be real so to solve this you do a double blind and where it's the only the head of the experiment person like the experiment group they know which pill is what but no one handing out does know so anyways i assume that this um external trigeminal nerve stimulation um was a double blind experiment but what it is it is basically this small cell phone device um that is connected to electrodes and these electrodes go all around the brain um they just get attached um wherever electrodes get attached um, and it is technically, or what it, it says is that it will send a low level impulses to the brain signals um, that is thought to cause ADHD. And this device is usually only worn at night, so when the child is sleeping. Think of it as last episode where we talked about bipolar and how um, electromagnetic, or I think ECT, um, or EMT, electromagnetic, there we go, transmissions, how bipolar, um, in extreme cases, they will 
make little seizures in your brain to try and fix your mood. Well, with this um, ETNS, it is essentially the same, but at a very minimal scale. So again, going back to that um, topic, it's very interesting how um, electric, like electricity or electrodes can change your brain's wavelengths. But you know, I believe that ETNS could definitely work um, in the long run because the thing with ADHD is that it is really just receptors not sending happy chemicals all the time. So if you wear this device at night and it sends the little electrodes to say, hey brain, maybe give me some more juice, give me more happy juice, so that when you wake up you feel like, you know, not like you're gonna have a dopamine crash. I definitely think it could work um, in, in the very long run. Like I said, this has just got FDA approved, like within, I think, the like recent years, I'm pretty sure. Um, I don't even think it's in the DSM-5 for treatment yet, so that's how new it is. It's crazy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that was like my experience with ADHD and everything, just how like my experience with it and how when I, like even to this day, I'm pretty sure the last time I ever took um, a study drug or ADHD medication was about a year and a half ago. And I remember um, at this point, so I was regularly taking like 20 milligrams. That was kind of my thing because I was convinced, like I said, I still am convinced that I have ADHD. And it, it's kind of funny because Ryan and even some of my friends said that I was finally acting normal as soon as I took um, this medication. So, you know, it goes to show that, hmm, I most likely do have ADHD, but I guess I'll never know because I'll never get diagnosed. Regardless, um, the last time I took it, I remember I took 40 milligrams because you know, I upped my dose, but it was at that point where I started to realize that I was becoming dependent on it. And, you know, I went this whole podcast saying, don't cut cold turkey. I did. Was not a good thing to do. It definitely took me a couple months to like not crave it anymore since it is a stimulant. But like I said, I traded it out with coffee, marijuana, nicotine. Like I said, I went a year with nicotine and that's what traded it out. Um, and I no longer need it anymore. And I myself have been trying to do my own behavioral therapy. Like I said, I have dependent personality disorder as well as adjustment disorder. So I've been working a lot with CBT, um, cognitive behavioral therapy, to basically say that, okay, if I feel overwhelmed and I'm doing like 10 different projects, I need to like, you know, rein back the horse and focus one thing at a time. Actually, there is this app um, that I use. This is not sponsored at all, um, but it's called Scheduled, and it is basically a, an online agenda that you can do every day where it's just a scheduler. Um, but the cool thing about it is that you there is a place where if you have tasks to do in the week, you can put it in there, um, and you can say like how much time you need. So like, let's say this week I have to do laundry. I can put that in the folder and then when you are making your schedule throughout the week, if there is like say a two hour gap or something, it will suggest to put the laundry in that gap because you have time to do it. Um, and that's something I really liked about it because like I said, I really struggle with um, plans and that if everything is not going according to plan, it freaks me out. So having a planner helps me, um, especially because it does help you say that, well, if you don't get one thing done, it will suggest to do it later if you have room, which is like really nice, especially for someone who is scatterbrained like me. Um, I've also known that with ADHD people and everything, um, they, it is very high risk. Um, people with ADHD tend to do high risk behaviors. So if you suspect that your teenager might have ADHD symptoms, like don't think like this is for the parents out there who have kids or teenagers. Don't think that your kid is just lazy for not doing their schoolwork or for not showing up to classes. Don't get me wrong. There is a fine line there. There's thin ice on it where, yes, I understand if your kid is skipping school to like go hang out with friends. That is bad. That is terrible. But you really need to focus on that if your kid is unintentionally skipping classes or unintentionally missing deadlines, it could be possibilities to ADHD and I would give them a little talk to and maybe put them in therapy so that they can learn how to cope with the mess of the brain that they have. I never got that, um, but again, I don't think I had have ADHD. Like I said, I'm not diagnosed. I can't say shit, really. But, oh well. 
<laughs> um, but no, seriously, if, if you do suspect that your kid does have ADHD, the one, number one thing you can do as a parent is help them. Help them out because I swear anyone and everyone who I've talked to who is in my age group or younger than me always feels like their parents don't help them. Um, and I will go into a story um, with the in the next episode. Um, this next episode, we are going to be talking about eating disorders. I have my own story that has involved my own parents where I felt like they were doing more harm than good. So stay tuned for the next episode. Um, but with that, I will leave you with the fun fact of the day. If you are trying to get a promotion at your work or let's say you were trying to get a higher raise, uh, one good psychological psychological hack um, that you can do is that if you get offered something that you don't necessarily like, like let's say you are making minimum wage right now and you ask for a dollar more, but they only say, well, I can give you 50 cents. A psychological hack that you can do is flinch. Subtly flinch, make a face, uh, scrunch your nose, or just, you know, flinch. Um, and that will actually subconsciously tell the other person that you didn't like that without saying you didn't like it. And more, more or less what is going to happen is that they will revisit and actually give you a higher promotion or a higher raise. All because you subconsciously told them that you didn't like it due to your body language. And again, if you are asking for that raise and you do do the flinch and they don't really notice it or it doesn't change them, then of course be like, well, no, I want a dollar. <laughs> um, but yes, this um, subconscious flinch um, is a very good body language technique to help you get things that you want if you don't like the original offer. I have actually done it on my boss um, back in Zwift Current. I'm so sorry, um, boss back home. But I did the flinch technique and I actually ended up getting a dollar and fifty raise. So I didn't believe it until I actually tried it and it's actually a thing. So try it out next time, but make sure to not make it obvious. Um, or else you might just look a little weird doing that. But regardless, guys, like I said again, um, we will be visiting um, different eating disorders um, as well as I have a lot of personal experience with that because here is a little side note. That is the mental disorder that I am diagnosed with is an eating disorder. So I will have a lot to talk about next episode and I hope to see you guys there. But for now, I hope you guys like, subscribe, comment, rate five stars wherever you are watching, whether that's Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Google, Amazon, wherever you're watching from, please leave a positive uh, review, uh, leave a positive comment, and if you are here watching on YouTube, what's your favorite item of clothing? Is it a shirt? Is it pants? Is it shoes? Is it jewelry? Is it earrings? Is it hair ties? What's your favorite clothing item? My favorite clothing item is sweatpants. You will never not see me in sweatpants if I am streaming, and right now I'm in sweatpants, but you guys can only see my top uh, half, so you would have never known unless I told you. Uh, but with that being said, guys, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, night, morning, no matter where it is, I hope you're getting through it, and I hope you're having a great time. Um, like, again, thank you guys for joining me on the Just Justine Time podcast with your host, me, Justine, or KittyCat23, depending where you know me, but I hope to see you guys here next episode. Have a great day, you guys!